This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. And with me today, of course, is uh, uh, my my dearest pal, Hans, who's very worried about the curvature of his head uh, on these on these broadcasts. He was talking about, he's on mute right now, but he was talking about uh, the shape and the inclines of his scalp during the live show yesterday. Our first live show on YouTube ever. Yeah. Yeah, I just... Uh... I grew up in a country for little people. It's not that I'm that big, but I'm big for this country. So I guess I, I bump my bump my head in more things that I that I thought, and I, I didn't realize until I started lighting myself in the dark, and then just see all the bumps and little holes that I have in my skull that I didn't realize because I had hair before, and uh, it's got me a little worried. Like those those are called soccer ball. pores, Hans. Huh? That's that's what those holes are called. Uh, how how are we doing tonight? Are you looking forward to uh, talking about the little girl who lives down the lane? Yeah, uh, but before we get into that, I wanted to talk to you about that George Carlin documentary. Oh boy! Okay, because we'll, we'll get into uh, it. Uh, in a way, kind of like what we did with uh, Doctor Strange, where I watched it and you didn't, right? Uh, in this case, I have no interest in watching it uh, to begin with because I knew that Judd Apatow was either producing or directing it. And That's I know great. That he, he's everything... a co-director on the movie along with some other guy. Okay. And I know that everything he touches from, I don't want to say 2016 on, has just been garbage and full of like his politics that nobody really asked for. That's the, the guy with the <laughs> weed jokes on his movies getting his politics now is kind of tiring and i i don't care and i'm sure that a lot of his politics were into this right because carlin was kind of i guess left-leaning i don't know if that would be considered left on nowadays but i guess it was left when when he was alive well i mean here's the thing what do you think about judd apatow as just a director in general before i get into my thoughts on this documentary um well, virtually speaking, the movies are nothing special. They're very, very by the numbers. Uh, uh, d- uh, virtually speaking, when it comes to directing, I guess he got pretty good natural performances from from those actors. And for some of them, he did get probably their best performances uh, in their career. Who do you think? Who do you uh, think that uh, would meet that uh, criteria? Hold on, I don't because a lot of those guys go on to prestige <clears throat> work, but their comedy work, I think probably does take a decline maybe not seth rogan although i think you can certainly make a case that knocked up is his best starring role yeah and uh i guess steve carell you have the office but movie speaking steve carell and 40 year old virgin that's his biggest movie right yeah uh at least with him leading it uh but i i just you know trump ruined him, I think, Apatow, he's in that group of people that were just so outraged by Trump winning that they they became something that is just not enjoyable and, and it's boring and predictable. So right. I figure that there was going to be some of that in this George Carlin documentary. And he when I first started getting into stand-up comedy, uh, American stand-up comedy at least, uh, in my early 20s, I read a lot about Carlin. Like I had a couple of books, and and I, I learned oh shit. I learned a lot about like his story and and his work. So I feel like I'm already familiar with with what he's going to go into, and I just didn't want to get like his narrative on it. So I 
you know no interest well what can john apatow himself really add to that i mean this is it's a two-part documentary he did one on um god what is what is the comedian's name who did the was it the larry shandling show or gary shandling show um gary chandling it's the larry oh fuck what's the show called where um transparent man jeffrey tambor <laughs> he's great on that show yeah and it's a, a late um, night talk it's a fake late night talk show in the inner workings of that it feels very like of that time the, the david letterman transition from uh larry sanders show the larry sanders show okay yeah. he did um he did a two-part documentary on that comedian that i thought was pretty good and i was look you you, you turn on a george carlin documentary co-directed by judd apatow you got to know what to expect and i certainly did expect that the here, here's the biggest thing with it this documentary easily could have been a hundred minutes long could have been two hours and i believe it touches or briefly goes over four hours it's very close to that four hour mark and it's divided in two and there's a lot of like good insightful touching uh information about like his personal life and his family life and then it kind of falls apart in maybe the last 30 minutes or so where it reminded me a hell of a lot of the ending of black klansman where you've got from my perception anyway when i was in the theater watching black klansman you've got yourself a pretty solid you got three quarters of a flick that's pretty solid given who's the director of it right mm -hmm. and then at the very last minute they give you a montage of oh trump proud boys uh january 6th insurrection all this mm -hmm. stuff with carlin's voice narrating it's like all right th this is now so it does a thing at the beginning where you have people like colbert and I, has anybody found w kamal bell funny ever He's always been the guy they've tried to like put in the conversation of comedians where he had an FX show where it was like, yeah. we're going to we're going to mix comedy and social issues. And we're going to have these two things go toe to toe and see which one has the stronger argument. Cause the big thing that came out of that was what the Lindy West, Jim Norton debate. Yeah. Right. Which they heavily yeah. edited to make look more even than it actually was. She was actually completely just body slammed by Norton well, in I, the audience. I think, I think the only other, I guess kind of black person that they've pushed or tried to push as much as Kamal Bell is uh, Trevor Noah. You know, we're trying to force people to like this guy because he's like a, I guess, multicultural or person of color comedian that you know tells it like it is. But yeah, Kamal Bell, I don't, he's never made me laugh, and I've seen a lot of. Whenever I've seen a clip that's made me laugh, it's never him. You know, it's it's always a guest, or it's always someone else who says something funny. Uh, I feel like he, he's that uh, that embodiment of the left elitist that <laughs> I'm laughing, but I'm laughing at you. You know, like my jokes are because I am smarter than you. So kind of uh -huh. you know, my biggest thing is thing just, you know. where, where are the fans of this guy? Because you do see people that like, you know, it's almost it's not easy to understand necessarily, but you you get how someone winds up following a Trevor Noah or an Ellen DeGeneres or just like all these basic mainstream famous person accounts like, oh, I follow the Jimmy Fallon show on Twitter 
or whatever because they're just there jerry like, o'donnell and <laughs> <laughs> jerry o'connell no. yeah o'connell. Or, or like ll cool anybody anybody who's just super bland mild but they're on a major network so they're part of the the visual image yeah. of what is like mainstream entertainment right now mario but, lopez yeah maybe yeah that's really slumming it that's bottom of the barrel like ex, <laughs> extra access hollywood uh but w, w kamal bell doesn't have that he had a show very briefly they tried giving him a show on like Showtime or True TV or something where it was very problem with a poo-y where it's just like, yeah. I'm a whiny kind of nerdy guy and I have a problem and I'm going to make jokes. For every five complaints I make, I'll make one half joke. That's the MO of guys like W. Kamal Bell. So he's included in this documentary along with a bunch of other people, famous faces. They have Jerry Sign. I mean... They, they make a point of saying, you know, George Carlin uh, currently lives on because he is frequently quote tweeted on Twitter with clips and people use his comedy to illustrate points on either side. But then mm -hmm. they do that. They do that at the end of the documentary. It's like Judd Apatow's like, no, I'm, I'm upset today. I'm actually yeah. mad about this January 6th thing today. And so you got, Ga we were just talking about Gavin McInnes and how he popped up in the Big Brother documentary and it was like, uh, just a normal thing he pops up in this one and he's doing his uhuru uh fist and he's at some meeting or whatever it's clearly after he's been banned from every single major platform probably paypal uh they throw him think, in there uh, do you think jad apatow is happy that his daughter is now showing her titties on euphoria oh is she is she on euphoria yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Not that I watched it, I just... No, oh, you just Google Judd Apatow daughter tits. <laughs> no, I just Google euphoria tits. Oh, yeah. No, but wow, I know, I know that... you're playing with all the trans she, on that show. She's, uh, that's not dangerous. Huh. Uh, she's, uh, <laughs> she's, she's like an actor now, right? Like they, she tried to become an actor outside of his, her that's movies, I guess. And, and I guess that's what happens now if you want to, to, uh, be in Hollywood, you just have to like show your tits and get your ass eaten or your toe sucked and something. And it's like, you know what? There's a real actress now. You know what? She's earned her colors. We have to respect her now, you know? That yeah, they don't, they don't resort in, to in body the, doubles like some people. Jodie Foster, 12-year-old yeah. Jodie Foster, coward. That's what I say. <laughs> um, hey, we're going to be talking about the I, little girl who lives down I had the lane to, tonight. I had to Google that because I was like... Whoa, whoa, what the what the fuck? And I was like, did Lawrence just trick me into watching something I wasn't <laughs> oh, yeah. supposed to be watching? It's like what the fuck just happened? Yeah. No, it's listen, <laughs> it's a safe movie. This is not what was it, little pretty 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 baby, little dark what is the movie with Brooke Shields when she's like ten years old and she gets naked and Louis Mal directed it? Yeah, when uh Susan Sarandon? I think so. I, I haven't actually watched baby, the movie. Yeah. I think it's pretty yeah, baby. Me uh louis mal the french are always very uh you know their their morality is really warped huh? that's why Ro yeah. i mean roman i read an article just the other day roman plansky cannot get distribution on his new movie in france where his last movie made in 2019 released in 2019 was a box office smash it made 11 million dollars in france recouped its full budget do you think he could just do like a louis ck thing and put it online and make enough money I, I think people will be curious enough to pay five bucks for it and you know maybe, uh maybe. for polanski I, no i don't think so i think his audience is so? too old i think his audience is like 50 to 70 year old snobs hmm. 
I think somebody will buy it. I think it's kind of a dramatic article. I'm sure someone's going to buy it. He's too big of a name. But uh, do you think they're bringing attention to help him on purpose so that there's more eyes into the fact that he's not selling it? So instead of like calling out the fact that he can't sell it, it's more like helping because he's still all Hollywood type of thing. Maybe um, it, that could definitely be it because there's always a. a Counter, we got some good glass uh, pouring ASMR right now. Just some water, some lemonade. Lemon juice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ah, well. It is lemonade. I've been watching a lot of Jinx videos on Twitter, so I'm all like conspiracy brained, you know. Jinx? Jinx, What is Jinx? I I don't know if it used to be, uh, fuck, what was that old page that was banned? Uh, what, What they do is they edit like conspiracy videos with songs. Uh, but, uh, a lot of them got really detailed. So I've been watching like, uh, uh, the school shooting ones and like nine 11 ones where it's just like, oh fuck. And now I have to research this thing. Cause it's just like a conspiracy thing that I didn't even know was a mm. thing. Uh, I think it's crack, crack connoisseur on Twitter. And they just post videos that go with like hip hop songs or songs like that. And it's just all conspiracy shit. It's, uh, it's cool. I like going into holes like that. Just like you were talking about the the YouTube documentaries you've been watching, uh, have you heard about the oh, fuck? What were they called? Uh, the is it the Watchers? Uh, the Finders called the Finders. Yes, that the CIA was involved. Sort of. I'm only like half an hour in into like a yeah because they were about that. they were training them on how to use computers and they were like yeah they might be trafficking kids but fuck it who cares they we yeah. we learned how to use a keyboard from these people we got to show some loyalty to the finders cult yeah, yeah uh, I have a feeling um, you know they probably only scratched the surface of the CIA involvement in that but it's no surprise honestly every single time and this is terrible to admit on a program when we're trying to be successful on a major platform like YouTube. But every time now there's a big disaster, and by disaster I mean a man, man uh, inflicted disaster, like a shooting of some kind, like the one yeah. perhaps that occurred only today in Texas. My my first thought is there was probably like FBI, CIA correspondence that's going to come out between this kid and and somebody trying to go as soon into, as as soon yeah. as everyone forgets about it the truth will come out and no one will care anymore because there will be a next one or there'll be a new thing to care about so right well i mean yeah yeah for the most part there's certain documents they have to release but there's also plenty of instances where we're just never going to get the information um mm-hmm. maybe even in our lifetimes you know with the paddock thing i think it's going to be 20 yeah. years before we see any documents that kind of uh shed some light on what the real story with that was i think as soon as the responsible people die that's when we'll get that stuff yeah Same uh, with epstein you know like i wonder what we're going to learn once the clintons die <laughs> you know like once mm-hmm. the truth is revealed and they they, they cannot be held accountable for it um but yeah I've, I've been i've been going through a, a youtube hole of just conspiracy shit like that so you went from true crime into yeah. conspiracy Mm-hmm. I'm not quite there yet, maybe because I've already read up on a number of different conspiracies in the past. It's kind of old hat to me. There's not like any mind-blowing information they could probably share at this point. Uh, Finders Cult is a good gateway into that to just see how nefarious the CIA is in, uh, you know, just what, what they really deal in 
and probably how they make Allegedly. a lot of their. I don't think it's alleged. It's it's documentary. <laughs> it's been released. They were they were right. absolutely involved in the finders call. They were trafficking kids. Two guys got pulled over. What did they do? They said nothing. They just handed a business card to like the police or something, and then they figured it out that way. I don't know. Real it's creepy. Like Anthony Cumia, you know, it's got that little card that you show the cops and they let you go. Yeah, yeah. What is that called? What is that card called? I think that was just Keith, Keith Moreska's like... contact information. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Hey, Red Bar's coming back. Are you excited about nice. Red Bar's return? Is we, he I think we summoned him from his disease. I don't think so. I think they just gave him some really good painkillers, maybe. Just uh, wicking at Red Bar, him. They could uh, do that. That's what Gino Bisconte was trying to say was actually the case. Someone was like, uh, "I got sent a clip by I think Robbie Goodwin." Where it was like Gino saying, like, I have it on good authority that he died last year and his girlfriend, his wife is just uh, puppeting that account and posing as him. But yeah. What is Gino clearly doing not. now that Burke left? The uh, uh, collecting unemployment checks, I think. Counting his Hanging teeth to see how many are left. Right. Being grateful for what he's got. Uh, it seems like Compound Media is just, just. I mean, it's always been a disorderly mess, right? But uh, it really seems like now they just don't give a shit because it's over. I mean, Kumia hasn't have? moved yet, but. What do they have? Also, I think Kumia could probably get hired somewhere else where he doesn't have to cover the costs for everything, you know. Uh, but what shows do they have? Do they have like a like a Dave Landau show or like a. No, Landau uh, abandoned Kumia for Steven Crowder because he paid more, remember? Oh. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's his sidekick now, right? Yeah. He did it, too, on a whim. Just like, oh, yeah, uh, I'm leaving the show. Crowder's paying me more. That's, I mean, apparently there's no contracts or anything that are really legally binding there. But it's no surprise. I mean, it, it's uh, Kumi's network. They don't have any names left. Uh, he can't afford yeah, to Bill cover Schultz. Bill Schultz. You think people are signing up for Bill Schultz? <laughs> No. Pat Dixon, he's also a... Uh... God, Pat Dixon. What? I mean, he's one of the original... He feels like the Kenan Thompson of Compound Media. Time uh, to move Don, on. You know Don Jameson? Don Jameson, no. Uh, he was a co-host co on that, uh, that metal show that Jim Florentine was in. And I think he was like friends with him. And he's like one of those metal comedians or like, oh, isn't metal... Cool. Yeah, that's that's yeah. great. Like Jim Brewer didn't run that into the ground in 1997. Well, yeah, there's a show called The Wet Spot with Chrissy Mayer. Um, all right, I guess Chrissy Mayer's their biggest name. There's uh, Eric Nagel has a show with uh, Brian Johnson from the Kevin Smith Extended Universe, the guy with a big beard. Yeah, he directed movie. a movie. I think uh, I think he's the director of a movie called Vulgar, which is about uh, the guy oh, yeah. from Clown Getting Fucked. Yeah, getting raped <laughs> by uh, by a father son duo or trio. Yeah, the guy from uh, from Clerks. Uh, what's his name on the on the on the movie? Um, Dante? No, not Dante. His, the other one. No, his, his character is um, Dante, but uh, what's his real name? Like Brian O'Halloran or something? Brian O'Halloran. No, but Dante's the the funny one. Yeah, no. Randall's the funny one. 
Randall, Dan- right, 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 yeah, Dante, yeah, and he's just a clown that gets raped in the butt. Sorry, R asterisk P E D. I don't think you can say that word in YouTube. <laughs> so, uh, fucked in the butt. Uh, Brian O'Halloran in that movie. What is it called? Vicious. Vulgar. 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 Have you seen? Have you actually seen it? Yeah, I watched I, it I, last year. Um, because. I don't remember why. I think I was just watching a bunch of Kevin Smith films and then I ran out of Kevin Smith films. Yeah. And I was like, well, he produced this. This is a View Askew production from that time. Let me check this. I remember hearing about it and seeing it at the video store. And there, I think there might have been like an advertisement in Wizard Magazine when it came out. Or maybe there was an article or something about it. And I was like, all right, why not take a look at this and see what this is all about? Kevin Smith is in the movie and plays a gay man. Have you seen, um, hold on, let me see if I can find what this is called. Because uh, I bought it only because Jeff Anderson, who plays uh, Randall, was in it. And I think Kevin Smith produced it. Uh, fuck, what's it? Is it that movie so, with uh, Jason Lee? It's a movie called Now You Know uh, that was written and directed by Jeff Anderson. It's a romantic comedy. And I own that on DVD. Oh, let's see I the cover. <laughs> let me see the cover. This now you oh, know. Oh God. Okay. Just pull it up from no, pull it up from uh, Google or something. It'll oh, okay. Clear okay, your okay, image. Okay. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, hold on. No, I, I haven't seen this movie at all. Is there any anyone famous in it? No. Uh, well, let's see. You got um, Suzette Andrea, uh, Pat Paget Paget Brewster. I don't know how to say her name. Paget Brewster. She sounds like she's someone. I don't know. A guy called Todd Babcock is in it. Jo- Joel Brooks. <laughs> no, I think Jeff Jeff uh, Anderson is the biggest biggest name in it. Um, but let me show you. Okay. So this is the movie. See Kevin Smith presents. Oh, and this is the kid from uh, Club Jeremy Sisto's in it. Rashida right. Jones. You're burying right. the lead here. They got, he got some names before they were really names. Do you want to know why I was burying it, though? Because that's not what you see here. And I don't really remember what their roles were. Uh, so I don't know uh, if they even play like a big part in it. This is an alphabetical order. That's why. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Or I think it, oh, maybe it's not. Uh, I don't know. I could be wrong about that. B, C, yeah, I think it is. Maybe uh, Jeremy Sisto just removed it from his filmography on no, IMDb. He was so embarrassed. There he is, right here. Kevin Smith Same plays man. married guy. Look, Kevin Smith's wife plays bachelor party hooker, because of course. That was probably Kevin Smith's idea. Yeah, yeah, Kevin Smith producing something. Well, hold on a wife. second. We got Marissa Jarrett Winokur, the winner of Celebrity Big Brother Season 1. Oh, you you are the only person in the world that would <laughs> uh, do. You, would you like me to play the trailer for this? So you can yeah, why not? Time. I don't think we're gonna get copyright struck over. And now you know, I can't unless. Well, hold on, was this bought by the Weinstein Company or was this self released or something? Oh, uh, never mind. Much. This this alone tells me that, that font choice told me everything I need to know. This is a very safe trailer <laughs> to play. All right. Yeah, it's not it's not very Miramax. And there's also not a hold on, let me see if I can find a better quality because it's two forty nah, P. It's fine. It's it's real. gonna look rough no matter what. It's all right. Hold on. No no no. I think we need to get the It was from twenty ten. 
You think someone's uploaded one in 2017 and 2019? 13 years ago? You're right. You're right. 2008. Let me ask you a real stupid question. Have you told everybody that the wedding's off? Every time I tell someone, they say what happened. I don't know what happened. Immediately show the two biggest stars. What the fuck is that? The three biggest stars. What do you think I'm gay? Carrie and I were just giving each other breast exams. She thought she felt something on one of my boobs. Do you think you could feel it for me? Can you imagine Carrie and Marty doing the nasty? Holy shit. Oh, that's the guy from Clerks 2. Yeah. What the hell is this? I bet you Jeremy is Coming increasingly appropriate for the movie tonight. Yeah. Oh, there's Randall. Remember neckbeards like that? Where it was just just at the bottom, so that. So why she do it? It's kind of like an Abe Lincoln beer, but but just the bottom, just the chin, just like that. Shaggy Rogers. Small dick. Ooh, impact. Yeah. This film has not so, yet uh, been rated, and no one will rate it because that's two thousand dollars immediately out of pocket to get an MPAA rating. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why did I bring this up? Uh, reminded you a lot of the little girl who lives down the lane, starring Jodie Foster. Yeah, right. Because of the clown movie, right, right, right. Yeah. Because of Vulgar. Uh, that's right. Uh, <laughs> not a Askew production. Kevin Smith did not want to produce that for Jeff Anderson, apparently. No. It just says uh, Kevin Smith presents, but I don't think he he had anything to do with it. Um, no, he didn't. He just threw his name on it. Kevin Smith was in the Judd Apatow, George Carlin documentary, talking a little bit about dogma. Uh, I couldn't tell if they got him right before he lost the weight or now that he's put on some of the weight again. Oh, he was an executive. It says executive producer uncredited, Kevin Smith. Uncredited. That's right. interesting. Considering he was credited on a number of other piece of shit movies, yeah, uh, but on he the did cover not wanna... too. Mm -hmm. the cover of the DVD. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, what do you think of this, this movie that we're, we're talking about, where Michael Douglas is is uh, hilarious? That's not Michael. That's Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen is hilarious. Same. Uh, Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen's role in this feels very. Uh, uh, not Martin Sheen, but also you could imagine it's Martin Sheen. That's why Charlie Sheen is the way he is, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, there's an interesting setup and backstory with that character where his mother apparently set him up with a hooker or a stripper or something to marry him so he would appear normal. Yeah. He's, he's just he constantly children. dragging children yeah. into the bushes and they can't lock him up or something. I don't know. It's very small town, very main, very... Uh, it feels a bit like a TV movie. feels a bit like a soap yeah. opera sometimes. An episode I, I, of something. Yeah, yeah it, it kind of had like a dark shadow sort of vibe to me, especially since they're using um, essentially one location. You're always in that house um, and you're with this one character and guests are coming and going like a sitcom. You know, yeah. people just barge yeah. in. Uh, this is the little girl who lives down the lane. What is the year on this? 1976? Hold on. I believe it's 1976. Same year as Taxi Driver. So two, two, two big moments for Jodie Foster, although uh, nobody really knows about this movie. It's, it's weird because uh, for what it is, I thought it was really enjoyable. I, I, I was never 76. I was never bored, uh, even though I figured out what was happening within the first five minutes. You know, whenever she keeps being kind of 
sketchy about her dad, I was like, oh, he's dead, you know, immediately. Uh, but the the way she interacted with everyone and, and um, every character that shows up is kind of interesting and engaging in their own different way. Uh, but it did feel very much like a either a TV movie or like an episode of a of an old soap that uh, that you would watch, I guess, with your grandma <laughs> or yeah. something. But but uh, because of that that thing that you just said, uh, there's one location, uh, people just moving around the house. They that I don't think I think the only time where we see anything that happens outside the house is with either uh, Jodie Foster is going around town doing errands or when. Uh, Martin Sheen gets kicked out of the house by the crippled guy with the sword, right? Everything else besides that happens inside of the house, so it feels very much like Horace and Pete, you know, <laughs> very very Sophie like that. Uh, but I thought she was great. I thought she was really good. Um, I don't think I've seen many of her performances as a kid, uh, but it, it, she was very believable and very, um, like, spunky when she needed to in this role, I think. Yeah, uh, this movie definitely shows more range to Jodie Foster and is, I think, a more impressive acting performance than what she wound up doing in Taxi Driver, which didn't really call for a whole lot. Just be a child prostitute. Be seem like you're drugged up for this scene. Seem like you're kind of an indifferent New Yorker, just a 40-year-old woman living in a 12-year-old girl's body. Um, in this one, everyone is performing really well uh and that is something that i think elevates it away from the tv movie of the week nature of this film is you do have jodie foster giving a very good performance especially for a child actor very good performance uh martin sheen's giving a good performance uh alexis smith uh, who plays his mother is also and the realtor who wants to do away with the house She's so she, annoying. I hate her. Yeah. She's so Jewish, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Jesus fucking Christ. We get it. You're Jewish. Fuck. <laughs> Everything that came out of her mouth was like, oh, fucking all right. Uh, but yeah, she was, I guess that's the role she was supposed to play, right? The unbear, un, like an overbearing mother. Yeah. So she she's the landlady. She, she does very well. And then you also have uh, Scott Jacoby and Mort Schumann. Speaking of, <laughs> uh, well, they play Italians in this movie. One, the the boy, mm-hmm. her boyfriend, and they meet I'm under sorry. strange I I, circumstance. I, I can't move past the most Jewish name I have ever read in my life, Mort Schumann. <laughs> Jesus Christ! All right, sorry. I, 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 yeah, I didn't even look this up before, so I, that just really hit me like a fucking. Punch in the gut, more Schumann. I couldn't. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, well, sorry. he plays a very like Puerto Rican seeming Italian cop yeah. in this movie named uh, what is it? Migliori. Migliori. Yeah. Migliori. Migliori. Yeah. And that's yeah, the yeah. uncle of the Mario character who's a cripple and just appears Podesta, midway through the movie. Way. What's that? That's a Mario Podesta is the character. Oh name. yes, yeah. What an unfortunate kind of. yet fitting last mm-hmm. name, huh? Mm-hmm. So uh, we're introduced to this character, Mario, who's a magician. Now, uh, he pops up midway through the movie. They do kind of the, uh, the good time thing. They do the, the full metal jacket thing where it's just like, all right, now it's going to become a little bit of a different movie than what you've been seeing. Yeah. And I think that's probably necessary. Uh, and it works out well. So in the first half, 
you're introduced to the Jodie Foster character. And uh, she's a girl who's living on her own in a big house in a small town in Maine. And she's getting harassed by the, the realtor, the, uh, the landlady of the, the house that she's living in, uh, who is played by Alexis Smith. Uh, Miss Hallett is her name. And uh, her son, the creepy son, is Frank Hallett, who's he has children of his own. We're introduced to him, I believe, first, right? Uh, he pops by on Halloween and says, oh, I'm, I'm a friend of your father's. Just barges in. Oh, my children will be here any moment now. And uh, it's just being a big time creep. Just, uh, you know what this movie really reminded me of was Shut In. Uh, especially with the Martin Sheen, uh, Frank Hallett character, where it's like, oh, he's a creepy, bad pedophile guy. He's the worst guy you can imagine. But he doesn't get to show that he's the worst guy you can imagine, yeah. right? He never steps over the line necessarily. I mean, he, he does in like a socially impolite way. And it's like clear he's a creep and a pervert. But you yeah. never get to see him like cranking it up to something where you feel like he deserves the fate that he winds up getting. And that was the same case with Shut In, where Vincent Gallows is a 60-year-old man who hasn't washed his hair in two weeks. And he's in a cool 90s Gucci tracksuit. And he's, you know, he just trust us. He's the molester. And yeah. he didn't actually do anything. He gets lit on fire for coming back to get some money. That's about it. You hear a lot about it. You hear a lot about people. I mean, I guess the the five characters we have in this movie, if you don't count anyone in the bank, which is just one scene, we have one, two, three, four, five, five main characters, let's say, or at least characters that appear more than once. And everyone tells you about how creepy this guy is, but everything he does is like, yeah, I mean, it is it is creepy, but it's nothing that, like you said, steps over the line or anything that gives you the the idea that he, he would do that. And I feel like the the roughest thing he does is probably just being an asshole to that cripple boy, <laughs> and that's it, you know. Because everything he tells uh, Jodie Foster, it's like. Um, it's like he's trying to get with her, sort of, but it's Oh, he it's definitely awkward. is. He's it's very self-aware, though. It's very mm -hmm. like he knows that he's old, so he's like, I know. Like, like he knows that he's going to come off as creepy, but at the same time, he kind of like weirdly compliments her while shitting on her. This It's very... He's um, negging her like yeah, any, yeah, yeah. Guy, well, any pickup artist would. Pickup artist. That's what I was... Yeah, he's doing like the pickup artist thing to a fucking 13. <laughs> which is a, all right uh martin sheen that's a that's a I one of the a, few a choice one of the few villainous turns we see uh from martin sheen on film uh in in line in the same tier as uh spawn 30 years after this 25 years after this right 20 years maybe after this he was in spawn he's the bad guy he plays jason Wynn in spawn he's the bad guy oh yeah i've I, I know there's it's such a talented stack cast you just forget he's yeah. in spawn. Yeah. Reminds me of uh what's his name on uh Mario Brothers? Uh Bob Hoskins, Dennis Hopper. I don't know the like Dennis Hopper, yeah. Yeah. Hopper, yeah. Which is like, Oh, I thought you were supposed to be a respected actor. What is that on your head? <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a terrible thing on your head. Uh yeah. But yeah, it happens and and that could just be a thing of the 70s though because you know uh they're very tame you know society wasn't used to anything uh i guess 
R or more than R rated. Uh, so you would either get a porn film or something that feels very safe, very uh, TV movie like this, where, well, how can, can we represent a, a, a child rapist or a child molester without actually showing any molesting you know so it's a lot of like oh you know that guy he's uh well even uh, even taxi driver which is r-rated doesn't show anything as far as what happens to the jodie foster character when she's living in that flop house with harvey keitel who's like 30 years older than her um i you know when i saw martin sheen in this movie and he had like the uh berries and cream style haircut that he has i was like damn he looks so young here how old is he uh, he must be like 20 years old. Oh, no. He's 36 years old. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's old. That's so old. Yeah. <sighs> well, think about it. I mean, he's had a, a long, illustrious career, and this is just the start of it, really. I mean, he's got Apocalypse Now, which he probably goes on to shoot a year or two after this movie comes out. Yeah. And um, that's really what and he doesn't. So he doesn't make it until he's almost 40 years old. He was probably doing westerns and shit before that. Right. Before this movie, you mean? Let's see. Let's take a look. What was he up to? What was he actually doing in the 1960s and 70s? Because he clearly didn't start his acting career with this movie. But then again, J.K. Simmons just popped out of nowhere like 45 in the early 90s. So maybe. What we got? I'm going to say Andy Griffith shows in there. I'm going to say Bonanza's in there. I'm going to say Hawaii Five-O. Is in there? Nope. The Flipper. All right. Hawk. Uh, Flipper. There's one. The Catholic, Catholic Hour playing young men. Mission Impossible. NYPD. Uh, Hawaii Five O. All right. That's one. Two episodes. That's two different characters. That's funny. Uh, sorry, I should have zoomed zoomed in <laughs> before. Yeah, um, I was like squinting my eyes there, <laughs> leaning forward. <laughs> It's a lot of TV movies in the run-up, so this is kind of fitting. And I did look into the director of this movie. It's probably the most notable film he wound up doing in his career. Uh, The rest are all TV movies and very uh, low-key theatrical releases. Okay, so I think... Okay, Catch-22. I was looking for, like, his first, you know, main build movie. Uh, Okay, this is not the one. Pick up on 101... uh, is, is he even the poster? Oh, Jesus Christ. All right. No drums. Yeah, no let's zoom be- into the 200 bugles. by 200 poster <laughs> that's on IMDb. Have you heard of this? Because he is main or at least top billing here, right? But I've, I've never heard of, I guess that's him, right? Very young. 1499. 39.95 was a copy of. Well, now no it's 14.99. So that's, you can get it for cheaper. That's good. Have you heard of this? No, I've never heard of this once. Okay, let's see. NYPD, Lancer. Lancer. Then came Bronson. Is that (laughs) 69? Holy shit. All right. Ironside, Hawaii 5 There it is. The Cliff, The Interns, Montserrat. So he's doing nothing but TV work up until pick up. uh, Sorry, no drums, no bugles. Uh, And he goes back to TV movies a bit. Mannix. No, I still don't see anything like really especially notable here for him. Like what would have gotten Ooh, oh right. He did do an episode of Columbo with um Vincent Price, I believe, was in that. And I think he 
kills Vincent Price, and he's the villain of the the episode. There he is. It's a good episode too. I mean, he looks the same as he looks in his entire career. I don't think he ages that much. No, he doesn't. Uh, oh, sorry, let's go here. Uh, uh, we might yeah, be doing some bad. Columbo. Oh, Badlands, of course. Badlands is like the first movie that puts him on the map. Uh, have you ever seen Badlands? Terrence no. Malick's debut. It's him. It's uh, Sissy Spacek. And uh, if you've seen True Romance, Tarantino's heavily inspired by this movie. They they straight up steal the theme song to it and reuse okay. it in that. No. Uh, do you think that merits an episode? Probably not, right? Badlands? Uh, I have the Criterion Blu-ray of it. We could cover it. I don't have a strong opinion about it, though, personally. After that, you have... Uh... When the line goes through, which I've never heard of. Uh, no, I haven't heard of that either. That's another one not, lost to time. Another oh, creepy Martin Sheen Jesus appearance. Christ. <laughs> it's like a weird like romantic novel cover. Also by Clyde Ware. And the, the cover looks the exact same of the war one that you showed. And it also says starring Martin Sheen in the exact same place. It looks like the exact cover. Oh, was fifty nine ninety five. <laughs> now... Nine ninety five. They had to get that that get that movie off their hands. No one was buying. What a bargain! Yeah. Uh, so it was that after Batlands, and then you get the little girl. Well, well, Legend of Earl Durand. Don't know what that is, but then you get little girl that lives on the lane. So it was very early before Apocalypse Now. What is this taxi thing? He plays the taxi driver oh. in Taxi. Exclamation point, exclamation point. Do you like there's a typo on the IMDb? (laughs) 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 Nice. All right. Uh, Yeah, and then then we get this movie where he, I guess he shows a bit of range, really, where he's kind of of, uh, psychopathic to a point, you know? Mm. Uh, Because he gets kind of Joker-ish a little bit, where he, he goes from, like, friendly to, like, angry and to, like, like, I'm going to really hurt you, but I'm not going to show any of that, actually. I'm just going to tell you that I can't right. do I, things. I, I, think it, I think you could definitely pair this up in a double feature with Shut In, and it would feel tonally on point. Shut In just kind of feels like an updated version, even if the plot's different. The, the general, like, mechanics of the movie feel the exact same, especially with, like, how little characters there are in both of the films. It's like yeah. a rotating assortment of bad guy one, bad guy two uh, being dispatched of. How do you feel about the fact that everyone was just kind of monologuing towards uh, Jody Foster that would barely react? This show is brought to you by Surfshark VPN. Surfshark VPN allows you to surf the dark net, the dark web, the deep web. What I don't even know what the fuck people are calling it these days. Anonymously. And at a very inexpensive price. If you go sign up at surfshark.deals slash lowrex right now, you're going to get 83% off your Surfshark VPN. A lot of people are signing up for NordVPN. It's just a name recognition. It's like, oh, well, you know, Coca-Cola is so popular. Well, why, well, who could ever compete with Coca-Cola? How about Pepsi? How about you go with the Pepsi of VPNs? And that is Surfshark VPN. Alternatively, just go to Surfshark VPN. 
and you Google search, and go go browse that, and then just type in the coupon code LOWRANGE. You're going to save 83% on an annual subscription. It's only going to come out to like 15 bucks, maybe a little bit more. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. But that is a killer deal, okay? So surfshark.deal slash LOWRANGE. Go, go browse, save. Don't do anything illegal. I mean, listen, if you're a drug user, I'm going to turn a blind eye. But don't, don't, don't be sharing illegal photos or videos of, I won't even say what, but you already know what I'm talking about. Don't be doing that, okay? But if you want to, if you want to buy a gun, I'm, I'll, I'll forgive you for that. You know, just don't tell me about it. Surfshark.deals slash low risk. Go, go sign up for that. It's good. Whenever the mother would be there and she would just ramble on and then Jodie Foster would just be standing there just listening. Uh, when the magician showed up and he just started babbling a lot too, it felt like it was just him talking and then Jodie Foster just watching him talk. Uh, like At uh, a lot of uh, points, I, I, it just didn't feel like a conversation. It just felt like I just wrote this paragraph for this character to say and then i'm just going to give him a paragraph afterwards and you know it it wasn't very natural conversation or at least it felt like that at at a couple of times for me no it didn't at all and you know this is based on a novel and the novel was supposed to be a stage play and so the way that the performances are in this movie and i if i remember correct maybe i got this wrong uh, i believe the author of the novel also penned the screenplay to this movie that might be worth um taking a look at it real quick. I'll, I get the page right here. Uh, I'll, I'll look into that real quick. So that would make sense for that. If you're keeping that in mind. Yeah. Okay. Same writer. So he probably just used um, a lot of whatever that original version of the novel was uh, that was intended for the stage and carried that over to yeah. this. And that's something that I've kind of gradually warmed up to that. I was never a fan of uh, is any sort of film that has a stagey persona to it. I, I think watching many of the films of Peter Greenaway has uh, made me more uh, inclined to appreciate that in a film as opposed to being um, put off by it. That's, it's, that's the it's, one I was going to mention. The What is it? The Cook, the Thief, and His Lover? What is it? Something like that? Uh, the, the Cook, the Thief, the thief his, his, wife his Wife, and Her Lover. That's what it kind of reminded me of at times where, where it feels like, okay, so you guys uh, figure out this setting or this set and then the whole scene is just going to happen in, in the, here and uh, there's not going to be a lot of uh, camera changes. It's just a lot of the performance. I'm just going to let you perform for a couple of minutes without really changing much. Uh, right. But for whatever reason, like maybe it's just that I've just been watching trash <laughs> where this felt kind of refreshing, that, that different approach to... Uh, uh, a drama that wasn't really that much of a drama. Again, like I, I figured out the the dad thing very quickly, but then I feel like her performance and her range because she goes from just being like a snotty, uh, smart-mouthed child to like uh, going to the bank and pretending she's an adult to then being very vulnerable whenever she was around the, the magician boy. Uh, so there, there's a lot of emotions that this main character goes through. And for a child, like you said, that that's very impressive and i guess that's why she got a lot of work when she was a kid uh and and she definitely carried uh the movie but at no point i was bored uh at no point it felt like it was dragging or like it was just repeating itself even though it it does kind of repeat itself a bunch because the interactions just kind of feel like all right well uh exposition really right uh but 
again, I feel like I, maybe I've just been watching a lot of trash where I wasn't bored or it, it never felt like it was dragging or like it was, you know, boring to watch right. her interacting with, with the other f four characters that we see. I think it helps that none of the characters are uh, especially grading in a way that's not intended for their characters. Mm -hmm. uh, they're especially in, I mean, they're all the right amount of annoying at times, uh, respectively. And I just enough, I think, yeah. of them to mm -hmm. like help the story move forward. Um, it is a little unbelievable, though, that the, the magician boy barely reacted. Because <laughs> like I posted that on Twitter where he's just like, oh, boy, this is trouble. You know, after seeing the three bodies that are dead in the basement or whatever, yeah. and the reaction is just that from a girl that he just met a couple of hours ago. Um, but in that world, for whatever reason, it kind of just made sense. You know that there's really uh not really repercussions or any anything uh, after those things so uh right so it, uh, it here's the thing weirdly. we we didn't we kind of glossed over because if you haven't seen this movie then you don't even really know what we're talking about here right. uh jody foster aside from being just like a kid who's living in a house by herself that her father purchased so her father it's in, heavily implied strongly implied he committed suicide right it's almost a, yeah. a slam dunk he committed suicide because mm -hmm. what he walked off and he's dead. All right. Father's dead. Yeah. And he set up her life for the next three years uh, financially and, and with everything around the house. And if her, So they escaped her mother, who's apparently like a lunatic, just an unstable, yeah. terrible woman, uh, and said, hey, if your mom ever shows up, put this in her teeth. It'll make her normal. Right? Some, said something like that. And uh, it turned out it was a cyanide Fentanyl. Pill. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, that'd be a treat. That'd be a much different outcome there. Um, so uh, Jodie Foster does that, accidentally kills her mother because her father is just a selfish piece of shit. And uh, then she's got to go hide her mom in the basement, right? Her cadaver, yeah. Her cadaver. And uh, what she learned how to, how to, I think there's a line that Mario, the, the boy who winds up falling for her, says something along yep. the lines of, how did you get her to look that way? And it was like... Uh, she embalmed no, her or something. He said. He says, uh, "I thought bodies." And then Jodie Foster goes, "Decompose." Yeah, but there's also chemicals that you can get so that that doesn't happen, or something like that. Uh, but uh, there's also the part where the dad is sick, right? And the reason why they move into this small town or whatever is because he wants her to be in a safe place for the next couple of years uh, while he gets sicker and dies. Uh, so the dad is also dead from a sickness that we don't really know what it is. It's just something that no one can cure, That's which right. in the 70s could probably be like, I don't know, tap throat, a strep throat or <laughs> something. Oh, that's much like more that. generous. Don't have that medicine. Was, I was thinking he probably went downtown and sucked off like a male prostitute. And then that was the end of him. You know, gotcha, then he got right. uh, gay just, cancer, as they called it yeah. back in the day. Before AIDS. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, so she had those two bodies down there, and then a uh, Jewish landlord lady uh, gets killed or kills herself, right? Cause she Accidentally. Goes, tries so she's, she's trying to get into the basement because she suspects something's up, and she's like, oh, I want my mason jars, even though the mason jars are out and about, right? And uh, she's just nosing around, not minding her own business. And then she goes into the basement, sees the body, freaks out, tries to lift it up, uh, the lid to it slams her, her head and she's dead. That's a wrap on the realtor, Miss Hallett. 
Now Jodie Foster's like, all right, well now I got two bodies on my hands. I, I can't let anyone find out. I'll well, just her leave reaction, them in the basement. Her reaction was funny because she was just like, oh shucks, you know, it's very, it's very early eighties, seventies, just like. Ah, nah, I guess I'm gonna have to hide her body too. You know, yeah. there's no no stress, no nothing on her face. Well, it's listen, like... if if you already killed your own mother and she's <laughs> hidden downstairs, I mean, this is kind of a relief, isn't it? Now you don't have to deal with yeah. the consequence of it. You already killed your own mother, accidental or not. This is not gonna be as big of a deal, especially if this one was gonna cause some problems for you. Well, fuck it, who cares? All right, that's it, done. It with. also. It also shows you how easy it would be in the 70s to just murder someone and get away with it. Like, if you just literally move to the next town, like, no yeah. one's going to be able to find you or get you or anything. Just, you know. I'm That's a, right. I'm a, a serial killer. Now I live in the East Coast instead of the West Coast where I'm from. And I'll just leave the rest. I mean, of you can home. still more or less do that. Just don't get yourself caught on video and then say the wrong thing when you're brought into questioning. I've seen plenty. Listen, I've watched plenty of true crimes where they even have like a very shady video of somebody who looks extremely like the culprit, but they can't do anything about it. So you can still you can still do that. Where people get tripped up is they go in for questioning and they say the wrong thing. They don't yeah, get their attorney, they, and then they, they fuck think the themselves. cop is their friend. They think yes. the cop is there to help them, and it's just just the it's way. either it's either they think the cop is on their side or they can outsmart yeah. the cop without the attorney mm -hmm. present. And here's the lesson you always learn is just speaking is the wrong move. Yeah. You want to not speak. So if you're if you're someone who's killed anyone and you're hiding that and you get caught and you're listening to this show, don't say anything without your attorney speaking on your behalf for most of it. The cops are never your friends. And uh, yeah, all you have. And it's funny when you watch shows like the, the first 48, I think it is whenever uh, a culprit says, uh, I want my lawyer. The, the detectives leave the room and they're always like, fuck, because they're not going to be able to get the truth out of them. And that's all you need to do. Just don't just fucking shut your mouth. The cops are not, are not there to help you at all. They're they're probably going to try to make you slip, even if you didn't do it and get you on whatever. So that, you know, there's a, you know, an, an arrest there and, and they're heroes now. They can turn I need a coffee into I yeah. did it. So just just be be aware of that. Just shut up. Just shut up. <laughs> Ghosts are not your friend ever. Ah, I didn't know that uh, that uh, Michael uh, Martin Sheen. Michael Sheen played. Sorry, Martin. Yeah, Mike, who's Michael Sheen? Michael Martin Sheen's Sheen played, uh, English actor. Oh, right from. Uh, um, Was he in Frost Nixon? Right. I think he played Frost. What is that? What is that show? Science of Sex or something that uh, Cinemax show he did with uh, that girl, Masters of Sex, right? Something like that. Uh, he played JFK, yeah. Martin Sheen. Do you know? Do you know that? Have you seen that in a in a uh, three episode miniseries where he plays John F. Kennedy? No, John I have Kennedy. not seen that. From '83, I probably never will. Uh, so Scott Jacoby plays Wait, Mario. Yes, Ke Ke Kevin Conroy plays Ted Kennedy. Isn't Kevin Conroy the rock face Batman? That's right. Yeah, you know what? Wow. He's not a terrible choice for that. He has a similar look to Robert Kennedy. Ted Kennedy. 
Oh, never mind. That's a bad choice. <laughs> Ted Kennedy's got a big, wide marshmallow head. It's not not fat enough. Yeah, that's uh. Did you know uh, that Kevin Conroy was gay? No. Yeah, he was on I think Dallas or one of those shows back in the '80s, and he played like the first. Uh, he was in a part of like gay gay romance on one of these uh, night soaps, and uh, it was like a big thing at the time. And Kevin Conroy has been known as a gay man for f like 45 years. I had no idea. I didn't even know he was an actor besides like Batman voice. Well, I, I, I knew that he was on Wings or one of those sitcoms back in the day. Do you know a, a show called Another World? Yeah, that's uh, was that either a black sitcom or was it a soap opera? It says the life of a, in, in the Midwestern town of Bay City and the love, loss, trials, and triumph of its residents who come from different backgrounds and social circles. I've never heard of it. It's from 64. No, from 1964. Yeah, from All right, definitely not a he black was, sitcom then. That would be a little too edgy for the time. He was in it in, from 1980 to 81, so he did 17 episodes of that. Uh, then after that, a couple of TV movies. Uh, TV miniseries where he played Ted Kennedy there. Uh, he was in a George Washington miniseries too. Search for Tomorrow. Don't know what that is. Dynasty. Eight episodes of that. Dynasty is what I was thinking of. All right, take a look. Look it up on YouTube real quick. Uh, Dynasty Bart. Kevin Conroy. There's some like weird... I guess maybe not weird is the way to put it, but there's a gay romance <laughs> in a scene uh, with him and another actor, and you can tell the oh, other actor did not want to kiss him because he like goes in for it and uh, doesn't doesn't quite go to his liking. Uh, yes, yeah, this is it. Get this and this, you can forget this whole floor. Why? I want to know exactly why. Because for one thing, oil spills mean fire and explosion. And their effect on wildlife. Wait a minute, wait a minute. We have provided the best possible protection against oil spill. Well, best possible is not good enough for me, and it's not good enough for the people that I work with. Oh, the acting. Oh, wow. He looks human. You know that? Well, the mole did not overwhelm his face at that point. Because there can't be one. He doesn't look like a head with. Open your mind. Those reports don't do anything for you. Fine. Take a look at these. These will prove to you finally that. Uh-oh. Did I want to suck your dick? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Friend of mine. His name was Luke. Was? Yeah, he died. I'm sorry. Is this a show that you get recommended like the Perfume Nationalist? Yeah, I, feel like I, he... I bet I bet Perfume yeah. Nationalist watched a bit of Dynasty. And he showed me that there was nothing to be ashamed of in that. He made me feel. He's got a very simple look. Seems like his face is very just like brought to the middle. You got the nose and eyes and mouth all right here at the center, and there's so much space around that. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> that sigh. I, I'm going to tell you exactly what that sigh was. It was him remembering that he has to kiss Kevin Conroy now. <laughs> <laughs> Look at it. Hold on. Wait. Right there. Now, here we go. Here Take we four. go. <laughs> uh. Let's try not to laugh this time. Uh. We've talked about choices and decisions. I've come to one decision. 
Oh, God. I know how I feel about you. Here it comes. <laughs> oh! What <yeah>. the fuck? <laughs> Ooh, fake out. They couldn't commit to it. So they went oh. for the hug. Gave him a oh, friend hug. They fucking got me then. I thought... That was a big oh. old cock tease back in the day. You really thought he was going to kiss him on oh, um, oh, on Jesus. American television? On family TV? I mean, Get real. I think... I think... What are you doing here, Carrington? You damned liar! Wow, he slapped him. <laughs> Is that what you do? Damn. You when you go him. fight a guy that you... I'm very angry at you, so I'm gonna go open hand slap you. <laughs> Damn. Now they're wrestling. That's how fights occur, as you jump around yeah. and... In an empty gym. Shoulder. Yeah. It kind of looks like a Star Trek set if you remove all the exercise machines. The music is also very Star Trek. It is. What is fucking happening here? This is just like the fight coordinator was like was a gay uh, wrestling team member, and this is him living out his fantasy. Here we go. This is all a metaphor for fucking in 1984 because they couldn't just show two gay guys yeah. embracing anything more than a. I guess, a I guess your memory of him kissing someone might just be something. Yeah, I think I, think, I misremembered that scene ending with a kiss. And then I remember actually laughing when he went for the hug. It's very uh, love at first sight. Have you heard that of that show? No, I don't think so. Is it, it's sight, yeah, love at first sight. Hold on, let me show you. No, it's not first sight. Uh, uh, hold on. Because I remember there was a show called, uh, it's a, of course a, a TLC show, so it's about making fun of like stupid people, right? Uh, a first kiss? Yeah, love at first kiss, that's what it was called. Oh, we watched clips of this show with the, yeah, uh, the Indian on Civic guy, TV. right? Yeah. That's that's what that felt like. Remember when he was approaching the woman and then he just immediately... Oh, yeah. That's that's one-to-one -one with the clip that we played. And uh, I think Tim Stavers was on that show. Yeah, this is Kevin Conroy. That's the <laughs> the other hunk in the scene. Hello. Hey. How's it going? Good, how are you? Good. What's your name? I'm Lauren. I'm Josh. Hi. <laughs> um, oh. Can I kiss you? Do No. Yeah, so it was very much like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, I'm hurting. Oh, I forgot how much it's still my painful. Face hurts. Oh, oh my fuck. god. Uh, uh. 
Anyway, yeah, so we get that scene. I guess Kevin Conroy doesn't doesn't go full gay. He's just no. implied gay because it's the 80s, right? That's right. Well, good for him for, for being able to be Batman. Everyone's favorite Batman. Who's the If you go on, uh, what is it, IGN.com message boards, who's the best Batman? Is it Christian Bale? Is it Robert Pattinson? Or is it Kevin Conroy, a man who sits in a booth while his mole grows bigger and bigger, uh, saying, I'm Batman. It's him. Are you, are, are you familiar with O'Hara? O'Hara? It's a... It, it says a TV show here that only, I guess, only lasted one season. Pat Morita is the top bill, uh, and it says a crime drama about a wise elder, a wise elderly Asian American LAPD cop investigating crimes with his culturally insensitive and thick-headed but overall good-natured younger partner. This is from '87, so I guess like Pat Morita, like that was his thing. He's just like I'm, I'm Asian guy that. Puts up with Americans being racist with me and then kicking mm-hmm. ass. Well, he did a cop movie everything. with Jay Leno around that same time. Uh, that they like adding to HBO Max and IMDb T or Phoebe now is how IMDb is streaming service rebranded. That was a good idea. What? Is calling it Phoebe. Phoebe. Like, like the girl from Friends? No, not Phoebe. Phoebe. <laughs> Almost like Fifi, okay. but Fee-V. So that's where Thomas Jane's doing an Australian Western now, and uh, where they're promoting. So like, IMDb Gongo. has a streaming, a streaming. Uh, okay. Um, They've had think... one for a while. They had all the episodes of Columbo on there for a second. Uh, it's not bad, but uh, that new name is really horrendous. What about their original programming? Is it very like? Apple TV looking, because that's what I'm imagining. Very like, this is not a real show. It's more like um, a lower grade Paramount Plus. Oh, yeah, it ain't. It's not very good. So just safe. So that's that's like getting like the Hallmark streaming service. You're just like you're just no, watch no, no not days. necessarily. I mean, no, it, it's um, it's just lower quality. It it, it feels like A and E original scripted programming you know it's got that kind of vibe to it i don't know it's all new they seem to be looking to branch out maybe it'll get better but let's uh let's quickly finish up little girl who lives down the lane um so we're introduced to the character of mario who's a magician it's kind of uh he's kind of introduced haphazardly just at the middle of the film like he just is like wait a minute is that miss hallett's car and then Jodie Foster's like, "Oh yeah, she let us. She let my dad borrow it." And he's like, "Nah." Well, she's trying to start it, right? But she's thirteen, so she has no idea how to start a car in this. That's in right. Early or eighties, uh, and then he's riding his bike. He's going to a party, where a uh, frat party, where he's going to do his magic. Where I'm assuming he's just going to get made fun of, right? Yeah, they're going to rape uh, him. And then- they're just going <laughs> to laugh at him and <laughs> bend him over and rape him, probably. Uh, so yeah, he's a magician. He he's dressed back, like a classic yeah. magician. Yeah. Yeah, like one of those anime magicians. You know, who's the guy about. on Sailor Moon? That guy. That's exactly what I was thinking of. I don't know names, um, but that that guy. Um, he drives past her house on his bike and then turns around once he hears that it's a woman trying to turn on a car. So I'm gonna need to help her. 
Uh, so he turns around uh, and then realizes that that's the, the old lady's car. That's not the old lady trying to start the car. So he wants to know what's going on. And, and she, like, weirdly, without revealing anything, convinces him to get rid of the car um, very, very easily, very quickly. Because he's just, I guess he's just uh, uh, impressed by the fact that there's a female that wants to talk to him. So yes, that's 100% it. That, he's a 15-year-old boy or so. He's a little bit older than her. He's a, he's a gimp. You know, and he's got a girl who's willing Did to you be laugh? friends with him. Hold on. Do you laugh when he explained why he's a gimp? <laughs> because uh, can I... you refresh my memory on that? Yeah. Um, he's got like a bunch of brothers. So uh, his mom forgot to get him a polio vaccine. So she didn't. <laughs> and that was like, all right. I guess that's a, that's a good um, uh, uh, history for a fucking villain. <laughs> <laughs> no, my my mom hates me, so she now I have wonky legs because I didn't get a polio. That's a very mid twentieth century reasoning for for having yeah. messed up legs. You know what? On the cover of the novel, in two variations, he looks like a rather sinister character. Uh, do you want to pull up the novel's cover, the paperback and hardcover? Uh, he's a pretty likable character, and he's related to uh, the police officer of the film, played by Mort Schumann, Officer Ron Migliariti, uh, who comes by every so often. He feels like uh, like a guest star on Taxi or one of these like mid '80s shows, uh, which he just pops in. Uh, this one is a good example, the one that you have up that uh, I used for the thumbnail art here. He looks very like a like an evil Disney cat or something, or the anonymous, yeah. uh, what's his name, Mask. Guy Fox. Right. She looks sinister too. I mean, I guess she's a killer, right? But mm. she's got pretty this just reasoning. This is very misleading cover because there's no blood in the movie at all. This I feel like this is more like a it's I a PG movie. It's like a, a spit on your grave type of cover for a movie that doesn't show any of whatever this cover seems to imply. Ask her no questions and what does it say? And nobody dies. That kind of paints her to be like a Dexter kind of character. Yeah. And I but, mean, I guess she's responsible for her mom's death, but besides that, yeah, I, just... maybe. I don't I don't I wouldn't say she is if she's just following her father's orders and she doesn't know what the deal is. Although we're t taking her word for it. By right. the end of it she's just like unflinching, literally unflinching yeah. uh in being able to kill. So, uh the Mario character is introduced and he kind of helps her cover up the murders a little bit. He doesn't get too deep into it, although he got, he does have uh he gets cold feet at a certain point and it seems like all right, now I'm out. Yeah, he's like a typical 80s actor kid. Like, you would see him in, uh, not Weird Science, but like Once Bitten. This guy would be like a background <laughs> character or something. Right, like C-type C 80s movies. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. got a bit of a Matthew Modine, like a young Matthew Modine look to him. And he hasn't done really anything since. He disappeared from acting uh, probably when he was in his 20s. That happens a lot with 80s movies, right? The more that I watch older movies, I guess they just, I don't know. I don't know if they, they maybe see what the machine is and it's like, it's really not worth putting up with all this shit, you know, to be an actor. Uh, and they end up, I don't know, being like lawyers or some shit. 
Yeah, that or, I mean, like, that, that happened agents. to uh, Shelby from Friday the Thirteenth Part Three, who gives Jason mm-hmm. his mask. He goes on to become a uh, very successful New Jersey attorney. He's well, probably the, the better choice there. Well, if you look at what they've done to Millie Bobby Brown, right, who looks like forty-five and she's like eighteen, you're kind of like I don't know if it if, if is it worth, you know the. The fame and millions and, and all that, is it really worth everything they put you through? I don't know. Especially I mean, since in, saying... in the case with a lot of these kids, it wasn't a choice to begin with. Like Jodie Foster, for example, uh, was acting before she probably had any real, had the ability to have interest in, in acting as its own thing. Well, she was, what, 14 in this, right? Something like that. I believe she was younger than that uh, when they were filming it, but... I know from uh, just like a random factoid that she started doing commercials at like two or something. So her parents right. picked one path and one path only for her. And there's plenty of kids that are like that. So, uh, yeah. Uh, what did you think of this Mario character? Did you have any thoughts on uh, his function in the story? You know what I, I, I did think, though, is when he uh, appears as her father, and they gave him some uh, like facial prosthetic. I thought that looked pretty good for for the time and for him being a very young man. So it's very mass state lottery. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, ooh, let's <laughs> let's slow down on the spoilers. There, the movies. It's not out yet. Yeah, I um, I thought that was a really really funny scene because um, it's the first time that anyone calls her out of on her bluff, um, and the fact that it actually worked out, like if she had planned it before. The masks look real too, uh, especially when you think about a movie from what seventy six, right? Yeah. Um, he he, I mean, I'm sure that if the the shot was probably closer to him, maybe we would see, you know, everything that's wrong with the mask. But for what it was, and from like the mid shot that we got, he worked really well. And and, and when it happened, it was kind of like, oh, I wonder who's playing that character because I, and, and um. It wasn't the first time in this movie when I was trying to figure out, okay, so are we hearing her narrative or are we seeing her narrative? Because it kind of feels like uh, at times it kind of feels like um, like we don't know if our, our narrative or our main character is telling the truth. And, and I feel like this point was kind of like that where we don't know if we're getting into her mind state of her telling us the story of this, of if this actually happened. And then you get the reveal of, you know, uh, he's actually wearing a mask, and he does a really good job at sounding like an old, older man, I guess. But, uh, right. but, 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 yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was a nice reveal because w- once it happened, you're just like, oh fuck, who is? Because the the kid said he was going home, right? I, I think on the scene, yeah, he b- said he was before. out, he was done, yeah. he was done trying to help her um, cover up the the murders or the deaths, and then rather. he just just shows up wearing a robe and and a, a cigar, I think, right, or a, a pipe, was it? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I, I that that was that was a funny, unexpected scene, really. Especially because uh, when it comes to prosthetics or anything like that, um, you know that you're not gonna get anything of quality in the early '80s, usually at least. Especially when it's like trying to make them look like humans, and uh, this looked pretty good. So, uh, uh, that, yeah, that was that was well done. I think it's very hit and miss in the 70s because you do have some great examples that I think still hold up. 
and this is maybe one of them. Uh, another obvious go-to is Max von Sydow in The Exorcist, where he looks like he's a 70-year-old man, even though he's only like 38 or 40 or something in that movie. Uh, it seemed like they really, when you, you got somebody who knew what they were doing, uh, they could do it very well and in a way that made it last on film, as opposed to a lot of what you would see in the subsequent decades. I think there's something to be said about uh, keeping it simple, but at the same time, having a full face uh, prosthetic here and having it thin enough so that he's able to emote uh, really worked out in the favor of it and didn't make it feel unrealistic that the cop, his own uncle, would believe that that's an older man. Yeah. So you have him coming back into the fold. Then he gets pneumonia and... Martin Sheen's like, oh boy, prime time. Actually, hold on, sorry. We're skipping over the fact that the gerbil gets a pretty miserable day. He gets a cigarette put out in him uh, and then tossed into the fire, and that gerbil does not blink or flinch when the cigarette uh, hits his head, which <laughs> lets you know everything you need to know. Well, there's a very slow zoom in that happens when he's holding the hamster, right? And he just puts the cigarette into nothing because we just don't see well it. first it's off screen. screen and then you see yeah. that he's pressing a lit cigarette oh, into yeah. which is clearly a dead hamster or gerbil yeah. or whatever the hell it was and then throwing the fireplace where it looks very stiff yeah taxidermy <laughs> yeah. for sure for yeah, certain. Yeah. um and then it's thrown into the fireplace and then they just kind of act like nothing happened yeah I, that that was the one point where I was like, uh, it's a little you're you're losing me a little bit here because the girl. I mean, granted, she's seen she killed her mother, so anything after that, all bets are off, right? She could re respond in any given way, and it's understandable to a degree. With Mario, he's got a little bit of pushback to him, and then he does get him out of the house. He doesn't just like, well, I guess I got cucked by the pedophile today. I guess yeah, I gotta go. I, I don't, no, he he's got a defense. I don't know about that though because. She, the only thing that we're shown that she cares about is that little hamster, right? So once the hamster gets killed very quickly and very, like, ruthlessly by this child molester, her reaction is very low-key, you know? You would expect that someone that has no one else in her life besides the hamster, which is why I'm assuming she loves the thing so much, uh, once that gets killed, I was expecting like a bigger reaction and she just kind of like oh well that kind of sucks but she yeah. doesn't give a big reaction to anything yeah. at any point right. even when hallett uh miss hallett dies she's just kind of like oh damn you know, we yeah. talked about that and certainly <laughs> toward the end when she's like committing a conscious act of killing um she's not responsive at all it's kind of her her character's mo uh yeah. with mario he seems more emotional but then he tries to go back to jovial and realizes that's not going to work for him. And then he has like a nice little comeuppance in the scene. Yeah. I think uh, for a movie that, uh, like you said, it's not, or at least in my circles, it's not really spoken about. I've never heard of it. Again, I'm not very familiar with her, what her career was before. I don't know, Silence of the Lambs, maybe. Um, so, and that's the good thing about having a show like this where you just can rediscover all gems like this. Um, but I, I felt like um, it uh, it made sense that she got a lot of work as a child actor because she was really good in this. Uh, but it's also a very simple uh, story um, that I'm sure, you know, even though you say that it was based on a, on a novel, 
there's not really a lot that happens. There's not really a lot that happens outside of the house. So it's very uh, contained into the location that they have. Uh, but I feel like if if it, if you didn't have a, a a young actor that's as talented as Jodie Foster, I don't know how this would have worked. Uh, but it really shows the range that she had, uh, even at that time, where you know she can go through so many emotions and kind of, kind of pretty much drive the movie uh, by her performance. Uh, uh, and she was yeah like twelve, thirteen years old in this, mm-hmm. uh, and in over. Uh, I guess acts better than anyone else in it, and it's not really something that you would expect. Uh, I I'm trying to think of modern movies where you get um, uh, dram- dramatic performances from children that are good, and I I can't like I'm I, I'm blanking really hard because I maybe uh, Goodbye Mommy. Good. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, hmm. I'd have to revisit Bru- that. Which room? The the Brie Larson one? Yeah. So Jacob Tremblay no. got a, an Academy Award nomination for that. I haven't seen the movie, though. Um, no. So it could just be overrated. Yeah. Because f- for a performance like this, uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know if, if you'll be able to see... Uh, someone that has so much range that is also kind of typecast into the spunky uh female you know of 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 that time but then at the same time i don't know i don't know uh how much of a career you could have as like a 13 year old in hollywood in the 70s you know that's not just abused by every (laughs) every single person that you deal with you know does she really have a career in the 80s because it seems like she maybe takes that decade off comes back for silence of the lambs and then has like a legitimate um, streak of decent films. Wasn't she in Contact also? Let's see. After this movie, uh, let me pull it, pull it up. So you're not just fucking staring at me. Uh, let's see. Can we 70... zoom in on that a little bit? Yeah. We said seventy six, right? That's right. Because they made it. Like, hold right. on. They made a series based on Paper Moon, and she played Addie in that. I had no idea. Oh man, I don't even know what that is. Wow. Okay, Paper Moon is a Peter Bogdanovich film from that era that starred um, Ryan O'Neill. Neem, uh, excuse me, having a stroke here. Uh, uh, Ryan <laughs> O'Neill and Tatum O'Neill, father daughter duo. Jesus Christ, Jodie Foster is like two hundred years old. <laughs> For her to have a, a, a whatever uh, on film where she looks like this, that's old as fuck. <laughs> like this is not a modern, modern look at all. What is this? Uh, pa- oh yeah, Paper Moon. Like you're you're talking about uh, Medical Center, Taxi Driver. Then you got Buxy Malone. Never seen that. Freaky Friday. Damn, she was busy she in chose. 1976. She did yeah. Freaky Friday, Bugs, Bugsy Malone, Taxi Driver, and The Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane all in the same year. Wow. Five Corners, yes. The Stealing Home. So the Accused was 88. So she was working through all of these years. I don't know if uh, if I'm familiar with any of these movies. but uh, right. Okay, so The Accused 91. is a big one. Yeah. And that is probably yes. what got her uh, The Silence of the Lambs Silence. in 1991. Yeah. Was she in Carney? Got... Was she in that that movie with uh, Gary Busey, Carney? 
That would have been in the eighties, I think. Maybe who am I no. thinking of that's in that Carnage? movie? If it's not, no, that's that's uh, Polanski again. That's also kind of like a a play, stage play. Carney, how do you spell that? I e. I think so, or it could just be. Uh... Oh. Oh, yeah, oh. 1980, this one, Gary. 1980, all right, Boston. yeah. This is uh, one of those rarer films to to, to find. Jesus to get a hold Christ, of. so how old was she here? Like 60. <laughs> yeah, she was still underage here. Jesus and Christ. And look how they were dressing her on the poster. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's, the, that's the promotional poster, too. Uh, this is go. Gary Busey right after he was nominated uh, for the Academy Award for the Buddy Holly story. Decided to go do Carney with uh, Robbie Robertson. I'm not familiar with who that is. Anyway, it's not really of note or any sort. It's of really it's, here. it's it's really funny when you can see who's died on IMDb profile pictures, and it's usually <laughs> just people in black and white yeah. portraits. <laughs> it's like, oh well, you know, this person died in like 1965. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, not not again, not familiar with her career at all. Uh, didn't know that she did so many things in the 70s and 80s because I, again, I didn't know her before um, Silence of the Lambs. Do Not you have any opinion early. on the Silence of the Lambs? I mean, I I like it. I don't know if it's... Um, I don't know if I would put it as, as high as, as most people do when they talk about it. Uh, I don't know if it holds up as well uh, as it did if you watched it in 1995, let's say. Uh, but as an introduction to the character, I think it's really good. Um, not sure about what they did with the Hannibal Lecter character after it, but uh, uh, I think the yeah the performances are good. It's it's like a serviceable. I don't think it's a masterpiece. I don't think visually is that interesting either. I think uh, you you could have done if you could have done something like what the series does, which I think the the strongest point of that Hannibal series is the visual style. Um, this one is kind of. You know, movie from 1991, you know, kind of stylist, kind of looks like a movie from 1991. Uh, but again, uh, as an introduction for the character, I think it's I think it's good. Uh, what has Jonathan Demi really done outside of that that's worth noting? Because every time I think of The Silence of the Lambs, I just think it would have been so much better if Michael Mann did this movie. Mm, yeah. He's the same yeah. kind of director as Michael Mann, from what I know of his work anyway, except not as interesting and not as visually interesting for certain. Uh, He's done a lot of documentaries and shorts. Philadelphia. It, it okay, Philadelphia is like, the Philadelphia falls in the same category to me as The Silence of the Lambs, which is like, it's an adult awards. It's a good movie. Uh, what it's was a performance bait, movie. Yeah, right? what was awards bait in the early 90s and awards bait in like the tens are two separate things entirely. Anything from the early nineties, like Philadelphia, you can watch now and it's still a plenty watchable film. That's enjoyable. Um, I'm like anything that's come out in the past 10 years. Yeah. Have you ever seen the Manchuria, either Manchurian candidate film? I, I have yet to No. He directed an episode of the Oprah Winfrey show. Nice. Wow. Versatile guy. <laughs> Uh, music videos, uh, Rachel getting married. Don't know what that is. Uh, I heard of that. Oh, Anne Hathaway. Yeah, Anne Hathaway. Cool. Uh, Kenny Neil Chesney, Young, Unstaged. 
Caroline Caroline Parker. Oh, he did a Master Builder. What's that? Which was uh, supposed to be like the end of the Louis Mal, um, Andre Gregory, Wallace Shawn trilogy or whatever. Because this was, I think this was based on, um, was it based on, it was based on a play by somebody. Um, it says it right there. Uh, Henrik Ibsen. That's right. All right. Yeah. Uh, so this is like, a, they Criterion released a three film box set. And this is the the one that sticks out here that doesn't really fit. Uh, My Dinner with Andre, Vanya on 42nd Street, and then A Master Builder. Just because it has Andre Gregory in it and it's Wallace the main, I was about to ask, yeah, main actor. Uh, is this the killing, like the Netflix? I think the AMC killing. Okay, let's go AMC, yeah. That, that and then Netflix, Netflix bought it, right? Killing. Yeah. That's a good show. I enjoyed that show when it came out. Don't know if how, how much it holds up. Another telepathic thing, Ricky and the Flash. Ricky and the Flash, I do remember. That is like the last of the... Oh, God, there's like a... The genre of film that used to go to theaters of like older women, (laughs) older women living life, TriStar Pictures. God damn, what is it, 1994? (laughs) You know what this reminds me of? That Susan Sarandon, Goldie Hawn movie. What was it, like the Banger Sisters? Or something. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's see yeah. that. Let's pull up that trailer. I want to see how that's aged. I, I don't even recall the title of the movie, but I just know it's, I think it's just the Banger Sisters. Oh, wow. I got it. I got it right. Nice. 2002. Stop pretending you don't know the DVD. <laughs> oh, wow. It looks like shit. Is that Goldie Hawn? That is Goldie Hawn, yes. Jim Morrison is a ghost and so are you. You're fired. Why were you going to Phoenix? Is that James Woods? Is that James Woods? (laughs) What the fuck is James Woods? That is not James Woods. That was Jeffrey Rush. And I think that might have been Jason Bateman or somebody before that. Okay, this might be a better quality because that was... mm, Sort of. So a slightly better VHS rip here. Yeah, a slightly more contrast to it. So that's Jeffrey Rush, not James Woods. Oh, okay. I yeah. see it. <laughs> All right. There goes the copyright status of the video. Uh, you asked for this. <laughs> it's fine. You know what? This video is going to be a Patreon exclusive anyway. So those who aren't, who are listening right now, patreon.com slash if you're on Spotify and iTunes. Also, give us five stars on both of those. What's yeah. that? You want, you want it to the Banger Sisters. Uh, so... That's uh, Susan well, this is, this actual is, daughter, right? We're right now. We're just laying the groundwork for when we do cover the Banger Sisters in a week or two for this this lovely program for Civic TV. This is uh, Erica Christensen, who was a Scientologist, uh, and I think she was popular for one movie, The Swim Fan. Swim if fan. I'm not mistaken. Fatter yeah. Julia Stiles is how I know. Yep. And then this is Eva Amuri, who's Susan Sarandon's daughter, I think. Very young here. And that's uh, a, a man. <laughs> do you do you love the fact that in 2002, all it took 
to characterize like a badass woman is a sticker tattoo. What is, is that a juggalo arm. tattoo? Is I that, don't. Uh, what is that? It's like a pan, a Black Panther, I think. That's like that spitting the, uh, fireball fire? whiskey mascot. There. Yeah, it kind of looks like that. Yeah, like one of those old lions. But that's it. You know, she's been in jail because she's got one of those. I've heard from somebody at some point that uh, Kurt Russell likes to watch Goldie Hawn get fucked by guys. Still? Yeah, I guess so. Maybe that's how they keep their marriage interesting. You want to fuck my 70-year-old wife while I watch? Hey, I'm a Hollywood actor. You see Guardians of the Galaxy 2? You want to fuck my wife? Oh, there she is in the bathtub. Got to keep the uh, humidifier on because of all the flakes. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe you remember (laughs) Tangerine. It wasn't like you know you know what I thought this was uh you know that Jennifer Love Hewitt movie with Susan Sarandon I think is her daughter and it's kind of similar to this I don't remember what it was called but I thought that's what this was no this is literally 60 year old sisters there are aren't they spunky and fun it's like no (laughs) no they (laughs) smell like 60 year old women like this is not cute anymore. You know? I like how the act of rebellion was getting like the typical 50-year-old mom that. haircut. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, like the, every the... 90s mom. That's Taya Leone and the Family Man and every other fucking movie she was in. Or you get the, the punk rocker from 2002 living in New Mexico because that's what my hair looks like. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I wasn't sure of the title because I, I was also thinking of the Fabulous Baker Boys, which I think was a Michael Douglas movie from that same exact time. The fa- what? The Baker Fabulous Boys? Baker Boys. I th- maybe it was Michael Douglas. Maybe it was um, oh God, what's his name from American Gigolo? Maybe it was Richard Gere. No, that's uh, Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Oh wait, that no, I I'm thinking. Wait, of something hold on. Else the entirely. whole the whole movie is on YouTube. I was about to play. I watched movie. it on YouTube. That, uh, it's okay. Jeff Bridges and his brother there, um, and they're broken up. Their band is broken up because of a woman. Is that his brother? Yeah, that's his brother. Oh, that's sad. He plays the bad guy in the Max Payne movie. No, but you know how there's always like whenever there's brothers. Uh, oh, I used to have that jacket. Uh, they uh, there's always like a third one that is just not as good looking or as successful as the. So you have the Hemsworth brothers, right? Where you have Chris Hemsworth, the brother whose name I can't remember, but he was like with Jessica Biel or whatever. Yeah, and then and then you have the third brother Liam. who's just yeah. And then the third brother is just shorter and chubby, <laughs> and yeah. he's the older. And, and, and he, yeah, that's what the that's this feels like. With I didn't even know that he was his brother, but like you have Jeff Bridges, who's leading man, you know, chin, good looking, and then this is his brother. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> his brother loves loves to eat, loves a good meal. That's all that that really is. Hey, who do you play? Who? What? What are you known for? Oh, I just play my brother's ugly cousin. <laughs> That's my yeah. role on everything <laughs> that I've done. <laughs> anyway, this movie is just kind of whatever. Uh, it's not really of interest or or any sort of importance. Um, I forget who directed that. It was someone of note, but anyway, yeah. So uh, I think I think Banger Sisters might have to be a Civic TV return pick for the archive. I don't know. We'll see. 
We'll see. Well, we've we'll got Morbius, out. right? Morbius is the next episode, I think. The people voted and they want Morbius, Just, so we'll do cause Morbius. Because that, that shit has been burning a hole into my hard drive since I downloaded it. Oh, yeah. Once you download <laughs> like a full 2K fucking uh, no. theatrical release, digital you DCM a, file. I got a 1080p. That's as good as you're gonna get. <laughs> I don't yeah. think it's needed to to get that that uh, much quality. But uh, yeah, I think that should be our return to Civic TV. Just a Morbius commentary. Uh, well, there's a precedent for we did have Marvel earlier in Civic TV of this go around because Four. we no, that was very early Civic TV. That's not oh. canon anymore in the new Civic, new and improved. Should that should that be the title? The new and improved Civic TV. I don't know, but I think my light went off. Uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, I mean, we don't. Really we need have a title, name. right? Yeah. Or we're just gonna call it Civic TV three, and then just... that's gonna be it forever. Just Civic TV three. I don't know. I'm I'm not great with names as you as, as our history <laughs> podcasting uh, uh, can tell you. But uh, I feel like, yeah, Morbius should be the one. And then uh, I feel like that Billy Blanks movie that I shared, uh, I think it's called VC2000 or something, where Billy Blanks is like an action star doing Taibo to beat people up. I think that, that could be a good pick, too. That would be good, too. Yeah. Anyway, uh, to finish up on uh, the little girl who lives down the lane, since we've taken so many excursions. Uh, so uh, Mario, who is the, the boyfriend character, the magician, oh, yeah. Gets pneumonia, goes to the hospital, and the uh, the cop really takes a sweet time breaking that to the Jodie Foster character. He's like, aren't you going to ask about him? After he's already been, like, hanging out for 30 minutes. And he's like, ah, he's in the hospital. He's got pneumonia. He might die. He said he loves you. And then they go off. And then Martin Sheen's uh, pedophile well, no, character. Doesn't, wait, doesn't he say if he didn't get antibiotics... He would have died. That's right. Yeah. He he was at her house coughing and shit after they had illegal child sex, sex where they have uh, a nude Jodie Foster ass in the scene. So you would think, but they have yeah. her twenty-one-year-old sister Connie Foster step in for her, and they don't pan away from the face quick enough because you do see Connie Foster's face. If you, I caught that immediately when I was watching it. Uh, there's just a clearly a body it? double. No, let's not. Let's not do that. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, anyhow. Yeah, um, it, it tricks so you. you. <laughs> yes, it, it was a, a, a good old-fashioned uh, swap. You know, so you have that. And then Frank Hallett is like, I'm going to take his cape and his top hat and the cane, and I'm going to just hang out in the basement and wait for Jodie Foster yeah. to come by, and I'm going to pop up and trick her. So he does that somehow, finds his mother's body in the basement, and he's like, ah, well, you know what? You win some, you lose some. How about I use this as blackmail to molest you? And um, that's his M.O. He's fine with his mother being dead because now that gives him a little bit of leverage in uh, having a perpetual relationship, a, a very coerced, forced relationship with yeah. the, the lead of our film. And... Um, She's a very sharp girl and thinks about uh, how she can get out of it. And her conclusion that she draws as she prepares tea and some almond biscuits for him is that she's going to put the same cyanide that we know she poisoned her mother with into his tea. And so there's this whole scene that unfolds. Yeah. Into her tea. See, she outsmarts him. She plants. She's see. 
the way that they handle this girl's intelligence in the movie is very um, mature, but not necessarily unbelievable, in my opinion. Yeah. Or and it, it's entirely, I think. Um, a, well, I, I think a, a good chunk of that is because of Foster's performance here. She really sells that she's an intellectual child. Well, it works for the setting too, right? Because everyone expects that thirteen-year-old to be a dumb child, and that's yep. how everyone treats her like a dumb. I, I think uh, I, even at some point, her uh, she has a line that goes like, uh, uh, "Yeah, I'm thirteen. How old do you need to be to be treated like a human, or something like that?" Right? Uh, so it is presented as everyone thinks that she's this child that can't defend herself, who's like uh, in danger because her dad is never around or her her dad is never there. Uh, so that's why no one suspects anything from her. So when she right. does that to him, even though he does say, oh, you're not going to get me, so let's switch cups or whatever, she outsmarts him just because she's 13. So you're not expecting a 13-year-old a, a girl in the 70s to like outsmart an adult, you know? Yeah. It, it, it plays out in a uh, fairly believable fashion. And she she poisons him. He's gonna succumb. Do you, to do you like that Martin Sheen was still trying to be creepy as he was dying? Yeah. <laughs> he's like he's like coughing his lung out, and he's like, "Oh, you're so beautiful." Trying to search her face or whatever mm -hmm. he says, and he's like, "You're literally coughing yourself to death, and you still can't control your dick getting hard." <laughs> <laughs> that was I. That gave me a chuckle right at the end. <clears throat> So uh, how, how does this fare as far as um, at least 70s features go? I don't think we have we ever covered a PG movie on this show up until now. I feel like it's all been very R rated, very at least PG-13. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Wait, is this even PG? I don't know. I can't think of anything that would be safe like like this, I guess, uh, if you want to call it that. Uh, is this PG? Let me. Let me get the thing. Uh, because, yeah, everything we do is kind of not that. So, right. I I can't think of, of any. Why would you watch a PG movie? I didn't even know this was. If, if if I had known this was PG, I might have been more uh, judgy at the beginning. But <laughs> yeah. it just, it even just, though it just works. As, PG, as yeah. late as 88, you know, a PG movie was Beetlejuice where you can say fuck. Uh, well, you, you show a naked and... ass and her yeah. side tits, right? So that's not a PG movie now. Never. Like, you would never find that, even if it's for a second. Right. So I guess PG 70s is different than what you would get now. Oh, like, absolutely. You're not going to yeah. get titties on Marmaduke, you know? <laughs> you're not going to get someone's naked ass on, like, Alvin and the Chipmunks. By the way, did you see there's a new Marmaduke movie? Is it, yeah, as it according is. to Yiffy.com, anyway? I remember they mm -hmm. had, like, a real Disney Marmaduke with Tim Allen yeah. or somebody as a voice as, of Marmaduke or Jason Lee, one of these characters from 2006. Uh, and did you this see animation how looks... fucking ugly it is? It's it looks bad. like that, that Donkey Kong cartoon where they were kind of trying to figure out how to do animation that looked like that. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw that. But look at how fucking terrible this looks. Wow. It's just ugly, you know? It's just like, it's not even... I mean, they nailed even look what, like what couples effort. today do look like, though, in that last image where it was just right, a girl a with the man. fattest thighs and a man who's skinny with a fat gut. <laughs> that is everybody today, uh, yep. <clears throat> 
Yeah, I don't. This I, is a Netflix adaptation of. Marmaduke. Well, this is the one you were talking about when they did like a, like a right. real, yeah, right movie. But... Owen Wilson and George Lopez did Marmaduke. But also, like, who's asking for the Marmaduke property to be revived in 2022? Is anyone? Oh, oh, Pete Davidson is the voice too, <laughs> so that's great. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and he's leaving SNL. Okay, he's getting a little big for his britches. Yeah, he's getting he's getting that Netflix money, I guess. That's hopefully going to be drying out very soon. Uh, why did we start talking about Marmaduke? What did 10? I bring up? Hold on a second. Top what? 10 for Marmaduke? You're trying to tell me that's Where'd one of the most that? watched programs on Netflix? Where'd you see that? It's on the thumbnail. It says top 10. That means it's the oh. 10 most watched... Uh, series or movie? Probably here. Probably Costa Rica says Marmaduke. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah I think no, so because people think it's good animation in Costa Rica. Well, it's because there's only like five people in Costa Rica. Has wait a minute. Hold on. J.K. Simmons <laughs> did this too. J.K. Simmons will do anything for a hundred bucks. Let's look at the cast. Uh, oh. Let's take a look at this thing. Marmaduke, another family film, goes perfect with the little girl who lives down the lane. It's got a three point one rating on. Uh, IMDb, uh, so it's not a great sign. It's got co-directors, so that's another not oh, great no. sign. Three uh, directors on this movie. David Kochner does a voice. Ketchner. Dave Ka- Ketchner. Sh- sure. <laughs> uh, Mary Hart from Entertain... Oh, she plays Entertain Mutt, Mutt tonight, tonight host. Get it? Clever. And a bunch of nobodies doing voices, I guess. Oh, oh shit! Johnny Young, he was a Power Ranger. He was Adam, the Black Power Ranger, if I'm not mistaken. Good for him, I guess, for getting yeah. Marmaduke. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> wow, he went from Kanata in Akira to... to Chinese man in Marmaduke. Yeah, Z. Oh, there we go. All right. Yeah, well, that's Hollywood, I guess. Oh, you got a uh, pen and teller? No, a pen, that's not. <laughs> kind of looks like <laughs> yeah uh should we cover marmaduke in a future episode of let's say, let's ca- let's have it put up a poll would you rather see but, the the banger sisters or marmaduke oh my god but you know what this looks like um this looks like just very early uh animation oops when they couldn't figure out like what looks good or not. So he's just kind of experimental looking. I think the French did a bunch of... Oh, we have to do uh, something we play, about Marmaduke. Should we be playing Netflix stuff? Probably not, right? Yeah, no. It's all right. It looks hideous. For a 2022... Yeah, it looks horrendous. That's that's pretty bad. Um, You know what? It's, a, it's bad, but it's not as bad as what I was expecting from the thumbnails. It's a little more fluid at least. But I think that's a definitely a movie where it's like, all right, well, we got Pete Davidson's vocals. Now we can sell the movie to Netflix. You know, fuck the animation. We, we'll, we'll take a massive prop, personal profit from this. And that's all we have to worry about because no one's turning into Marmaduke in 2022 anyway. Are you familiar with this animation? Yeah, Kong I watched this show as a did? kid. I was yeah. very excited for the Donkey Kong yeah, yeah, TV yeah. show. This was great as a young kid. I'm sure I, I, it's, it probably looks horrendous now, hideous. But that's what the animation kind of reminded me of. This came out in 97, though. So that's kind of worrying, right? Mm. That uh, your animation in 2022 doesn't look any better than something that came out almost 20 years ago. 
This looks like Nintendo 64. This <laughs> looks like if you did Donkey Kong for PlayStation during that same time. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Anyway. Little girl who lives down the lane. I think it's worth little girl. Flick. What is it? A, a fat little girl that lives down the river. I don't know. That yes. was Chris Farley. Down sketch. by the river. Little. <laughs> little. What is it? Fat girl. Little coat. Is that what an overdose comedian that whose body washed up down by the river? Yeah. Uh, uh, I have to crash uh, furniture because I'm not funny if I speak comedian. Oof. That's unfair. That's unfair. Getting into that's a spicy a... <laughs> take there. A lot that's of people unfair. would be. That might be unfair. I don't know if it's unfair. It's... I don't know. Jumbo... Listen... The, the Jumbelushi school of comedy, right? Jim Belu... No, John Belushi. Or where it's like very physical, but if you hear him talk, it's kind of like, oh, that's not that's not what I want I think, you to I think do, Chris you know? Waller is funnier than John Belushi, maybe. I, yeah, I have to it, revisit, it, it, I have to revisit not, Beverly Hills Ninja. I think that was my favorite of his uh, yes. when I was a little boy. Uh, so maybe, but he feels, I don't know. I guess I just, I'm just not very familiar with his work, to be honest. I think he was but. funny on SNL, but he, he definitely fell into the trap of uh, just being the fat guy in everything, Yeah, which was half him, half staff at SNL, you know, right. but... That was his, uh, that's how he stuck out. Cause you had, uh, what's his name? David Spade was a smarmy guy. Adam Sandler David was Spade's like the fat brother. goofy yeah. voice guy. Chris Rock's the black guy. Um, <laughs> who else was in there during that time? Norm was on Weekend Update. Jay Moore. Rob Schneider know. was the, the weirdo guy. Character. The small, the, yeah. the, the, uh, racially ambiguous guy who we don't know if he could play Mexican or Latino or Chinese sometimes, but. That's that's Rob Snyder. And Chris Farley was the fat guy. So the, there you go. Yeah. You have all your bases covered. Tim Meadows, the less funny black guy. Less threatening black guy. <laughs> <laughs> the safer black guy. Chris Rock was kind of kind of uh he had his style is a little more, you know, cutting than uh uh Meadows is uh soft and and, and uh cushiony yeah <laughs> get style you know i remember when tim meadow when he did like his 10th year on snl and people were like so when are you leaving you're the longest running cast member here on the show and keenan thompson just decided he to, he's like yeah. literally coming up on his 20th year i believe i think he he signed on in 2003 so uh they they were like SNL's got a cast shakeup coming. There's f four cast members leaving, and then two other cast members planning a departure. And uh, I was like, "Is is it finally going to be the time that Keenan's going to go?" And uh, no, it's not because he has nothing else. He has nothing to go. Doesn't to. he have? Doesn't he have a, a sitcom now called Keenan? I think that's been canceled. I don't oh. think Don Johnson wants to do any more seasons of Keenan as Keenan's <laughs> father-in-law who lives with him. Twenty episodes. Final episode, January 30th. Yep. Yeah. Listen, they're this more, happens, this they're happens more in the, the Young Rock camp now, not Keenan camp. Young Rock is their new hit sitcom that's based off a real person. Is that an SNL production too? No, it's just an NBC oh. production. Have you? No, of course. I don't show up to actual Rock <laughs> movies. I, I <laughs> could care yeah. less about The Rock. Um. All right. I think I think we're we've we've reached everything on this episode, uh, which is now about to touch the two hour mark. Um, anything else you want to add on Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane? 
I think just like angst or just like um I'm trying to think of what more obscure gems we've talked about. Uh this is definitely a movie that's worth watching. Uh not just because she gives probably one of the best child performances I've seen, but also because the way that it's shot is just not something that you see now or that you've seen in the last, I don't know, twenty years. Uh, because it's very play-like, and th even though the performances are very good, it doesn't really feel like a like a regular movie. Really, at at, at any point, I feel like uh, uh, it, it it's either like a mix or uh, between a, a soap that is not corny. Because even though it is a PG movie, I don't feel like it even it it, it, it ever jumped into that um, level of like. Oh, this is just a corny soap, you know. Uh, and, and even though it is kind of predictable what happens, the performances are good enough to carry it uh, until the end. Uh, and the end, even though, you know, I don't know if I, if I would say it's the most satisfying thing in the world. It's like the right ending for something like this. So it delivers from beginning to end. And I don't think at any point I felt bored or felt like, like it was dragging or anything. Like it, everything just ran smoothly. So it's definitely one that I would... Uh, recommend from from what we've seen, especially when it comes to you know older older movies, uh, older obscure movies like this that not many people hear about. I definitely agree. I think this is a good deep cut from the 1970s. If you're not in the mood for something that's a gritty, R, hard R rated, uh, violent uh, crime film, which that decade is primarily known for, if you want to uh, hop into something that's a little more um, you know obscure and uh quieter quiet new england kind of reminds me of peter straub's ghost story uh uh adaptation from the i think it was maybe uh early 80s uh it, it's got a bit of that vibe to it a little uh not really stephen kingy at all but it does have that sort of peyton place um feeling that's uh populated throughout the 1970s with uh many tv movie productions and i think that is a a strength and something that uh builds a fondness for someone like me who who did watch a number of those TV films during that time and doesn't uh, dismiss it on the grounds of uh, lesser quality or less dimensional alone. Uh, so I, I think that's definitely one to uh, check out if you have access to it. And you should have access to it if you have a fire stick or a cable box. It's on Tubi right now. So you can watch it with plenty of advertisements. Uh, it's probably on Prime on on some affiliate you can watch through there too uh i would imagine it's on yiffy so yes yeah, so if you want to just cut movie. corners and uh pirate a 40 year old film 45 -year -old well film. if if you want to go to express vp no what is it <laughs> i've given up on that no. <laughs> i i don't think i don't think that's getting us anywhere i think it's much better if people just go to patreon.com slash lores i'm more in that camp. look surf shark yeah. I uh, I, pre I appreciate what you've done for us. I think we're going to have to say thanks but no thanks going forward. What did you do for us? Gave us an affiliate link. I don't know if anyone's clicked it. I haven't checked. I haven't checked my my bank statement to see if there's been any um, deposits made. So, All right. Well, never liked you. No. <laughs> <laughs> never used you, so we can stop pretending. Yeah, I, I still use uh, NordVPN whenever I have to. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway. So, so uh, uh, patreon.com slash Loras, which is what you're watching this on, probably, or listening to. Right. And uh, check out the, the new uh, 
production website for Forgotten Genres, ForgottenGenres.com, uh, to see what we've got planned for 2022. We have some smaller things that are on the horizon that will be dropping within the next month, I, I, I'd like to say. Uh, some Something different from what you're used to, probably. So keep your eyes open if uh, you've been a fan of comfort systems and everything else we've done to this point. Uh, We've got things uh, that will drop in the lead up to The Many Textures of a City, which is going to be a documentary on the history of New York on film that I've written, directed, edited, and narrated, um, which could be feature length. It might not be feature length. We'll, we'll see. Um, it's not done yet. I'd like to have it out in July, though. I'll probably put it out for free uh, because I don't own really any of the footage that's in that. And yes, there's an argument with fair use and all that, but I don't have uh, faith in my entertainment attorney. Uh, who is me? So uh, we'll uh, we'll see what happens when that comes out, and then we have uh, Cisco's directorial debut, The Body, that will drop uh, at some point in the third or fourth quarter of this year. I think that'll be out in September, and we'll figure out what we want to do with the release of that. But that is a very enjoyable, short little uh, uh, vignette of New York from the past decade, starring Anthony himself and uh, Jeff Nash, who's a talented actor and co-star. In it's, the film. it's very, very Louis films, very Woody Allen-ish, early. Very Woody Tomorrow Allen-ish. Night, very early yeah. Louis C.K. and uh, a tinge of Woody Allen. But it, it kind of reminds me more of um, early Jim Jarmusch, I think. Even though it's got the a more, I think it has more of a Woody Allen spirit to it. It reminds me more of uh, early Jarmusch style. Uh, and then Mass State Lottery. We're going to figure out what the hell is happening with the release of that in probably December. I might have to sneak it out to you guys while uh, not jeopardizing our, our shot at any festivals for early 2023. But I would like to have that uh, accessible to anybody who would like to watch it, uh, regardless of what the plan for distribution is. So that is the current plan with that. So. Uh, we've got all that and more coming, and I'm very excited to have that out and for everyone to check it out. So, uh, H-Word name on Twitter, LowerSWB on Twitter, LowerSWB on Facebook, LowerSWonderBread on Instagram, and uh, Hans Dose on Instagram for, for Hans here. So that has been Movies for this week. Thank you for listening.